This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Sometimes you just got to simplify. I know on the sixth goal there, you know, I try to think of backhand past the middle. It's just... It's not smart hockey, and it costs us. So sometimes you just got to simplify, and I think that's what we have to do. The past three games, we're back to kind of getting scored on a lot. So it's about tightening it up in our in our D zone, but also not letting too many uh, odd man rushes come against us. And our D men, they're working too hard tonight, and uh, part, that's partly the forwards' fault. We're playing like the season ended when we clinched the playoff spot, like there was no season left. So it's really, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I've been with this group a long time. I'm extremely surprised that that's, this is how it's uh, happening. And, you know, tonight we had a chance to make amends. It's 3-3 going into the third, and we lose the third 4-0. It's, it's not where we need to be even, uh, you know, the playoffs starting in a week. Boy, that was ugly, wasn't it? That road trip, not good. Not good. Doesn't mean we're concerned. Some of you will be very concerned until the playoffs begin, and we'll have some conversations around that for the next hour and probably for... The rest of the time, we're doing shows here on Power Lunch on Lightning, Reg- Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you. Dave Mishkin with us. Steve Verstick as well. Hope everybody had a great Easter and celebrated with family and friends. We're back at it again here as the Lightning look to close out the regular season on a high note with two regular season home games. That first one of the uh, two games will be Toronto tomorrow. And Steven Stamkos will be honored before the game. And a little preview before that first-round matchup between Tampa Bay and Toronto. We'll get into that. Partner, it's uh, great to be with you. Hard to believe we've got two games left in the regular season. And for the Lightning, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride, hasn't it, the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think this puts into exact terms when you use the expression Jekyll and Hyde. In three games... Prior to this trip, the Lightning allowed three goals. In three games during the trip, they allowed 19. I mean, that's hard to do, right? It, even if even if you were playing your best and playing your worst, it's hard to be that good defensively for three games and then that porous defensively for three games. But that's what we got. So, look, John Cooper's right. They played those three games like – they didn't really matter, and and in terms of the standings, once Toronto clinched second and the Lightning were locked in at third, they really didn't matter in terms of the standings. But it definitely leaves a sour taste, and a lot of the fans that were feeling encouraged after the four-game stretch, including the one loss they had in Boston, but they defended well in that game, allowed only two. A lot of the fans that were feeling better heading into the road trip might be feeling a little bit more nervous. And then you had the injury component with Tanner Janot, who was the one guy that that was, we'll call it, seriously injured. The other guys that were day-to-day were all able to eventually come back and play. The guys that missed the Islander game all came back and played in the game against Ottawa, except for Mikhail Sergachev, who wasn't injured on the trip, but he returned home to be with his wife as they were expecting their first child. So he was not available for the game on Saturday. So from an injury standpoint, the news was good, I guess, on Saturday that nobody else got hurt and nobody exacerbated anything. And they're going to they're gonna look for that to be the case in these final two regular season games as well. And, and we can get into the anatomy of what happened on Saturday, another game in which they didn't defend very well. They gave up too many chances. They gave up too many high-danger chances. They had too many turnovers. They got out-possessed. But there were a couple of things that actually, I thought, went 
okay on Saturday. The power play. Yeah, get into a very it. good penalty kill. Yeah, the, Ottawa's penalty kill is good. I mean, the Senators have struggled defensively this year. Their numbers are not great. Their PK has taken a hit in the last couple of games. Now they're middle of the pack, but they've been a top 10 penalty kill all year. And they were exceptional in that first meeting at Amelie Arena when the Lightning had seven or eight power play chances, and they scored one, but the Senators were brilliant in killing off all the others, and they scored a five-on-three shorthanded goal. So for the Lightning to score three power play goals, like, that's not nothing. I mean, we talk about confidence and swagger and all of that, and they did it without Sergachev, too. Good to see Hedman shoot a puck in, which he did. So that was one positive. Braden Point scored his 49th goal. I think it would be nice for him and for for the Lightning as they they want him to get to 50. He would be just the third player in franchise history to hit 50 goals if he can score one in the next two. And the first guy since Stamco scored 60 11 years ago. And then the last thing that I'll say, and I mentioned this in my extra shift, I thought that was a very impressive game for Mikey Acemont, who has been out of the lineup fairly consistently until the Lightning started having injury problems. And then he came in for the Islander game and stayed in for the Ottawa game because Janot got hurt in the in the uh, Islander game. Acemont had a great assist on points 49th goal. Cross-ice pass to Hedman. And he might have been the most dynamic, dangerous Lightning player five on five. And the Lightning did a lot of damage on the power play. So I'm, I'm prefacing it by saying we're separating it between five-on-five five action and non-five-on-five five action. But the Lightning did not have a good night five-on-five. Five. They managed only 16 shots for the game five-on-five. Five. But AC Mont was involved in a lot of that. So when we talk about, like, can you build anything? Can you, can you carry anything forward positively? Sometimes that really is about confidence. And I thought the power play should gain some confidence from their performance against the Senators. And AC Mott should gain some confidence in terms of, you know, things going well for him after he'd been out of the lineup for a while. But that's kind of slim pickings, Greg. <laughs> Most of that game, as you said, was ugly. Yeah, it wasn't great. No doubt about it. It's actually going to be a pretty busy night tonight. Yes. In the, the NHL. So a lot of uh, playoff implications, a lot of teams staying in the hunt. Looks like Alex Lyon partner is going to be getting the start in Nets tonight. Again, his seventh consecutive start for the Panthers. Why wouldn't he? On the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is Bobrovsky healthy enough to play now? That I don't know. That I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an interesting been, question. He's been scratched. Like, he hasn't been well enough to even back up in yes. a lot of these recent games. So that the, if that's the case, you have to. Yeah, but he's earned it. Hand. I mean, yeah, he's, played well. he's played great. He's played well. And uh, that's going to be a, a tremendous battle for the last two wildcard spots in the East. Uh, to your point about the game a couple of nights ago and just basically that road trip, you could take some bits and pieces of each game and say, okay, there were some decent things that, uh, that happened. But I think all in all, uh, you could tell. Um, and I think what was our conversation we had on the last call with uh, I had with Eric. I mean, it felt like he was just annoyed with how the team has played the last three games, John Cooper. And that I don't know if internally he's he's losing sleep over what's transpiring. It, it could just be, you know, look, we want to get to uh, the finish line here and relatively healthy, although that becomes, it seems like more of a challenge every time they play here. 
uh, towards the end. I actually think they're going to play well tomorrow, and I, I think there is various reasons for that. I think being at home helps. I think playing Toronto adds a little more juice. I think having Steven Stamkos be honored before the game may give them a little bit more life. But, you know, I could look at that game as the the dress rehearsal before the playoffs begin, where the Lightning really want to have a good showing yeah. and and get their game on track, regardless of what happens on Thursday. Yeah, maybe because they've played so poorly defensively in the last three, and, and generally you exclude those four games in which they defended very well. They've not defended well, really going back to the All-Star break, I think coming out of the All-Star break. So maybe from that standpoint, they want a good showing because it is against the team they're going to be seeing the following week when the stakes go way up. But I, I confess, Greg, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that because you have you have downplayed the significance of the regular season at every turn. So I probably if 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 somebody asked me what will what will Greg say about this game on Tuesday, I would have probably guessed you would have said it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah and, it doesn't matter. I said I, I I don't care what happens, but I I'm anticipating a better game from the Lakers. Yeah, well, that's look, my anticipation. They certainly don't want to go in to the playoffs having allowed six plus goals in five straight games if, if it carries over into these final two regular season games we'll see the Leafs do play tonight like you mentioned so I don't know what's going on with their goaltending situation because Samsonov or Samsonov or however he is saying his name now has been seeing most of the action but they didn't even have Joseph Wall backing him up in their last game on Saturday against Montreal they signed a a guy out of the University of Toronto to back up, basically. So I don't know if Wall was unavailable. So we'll see what happens here. The Leafs are locked into second, though, so they're not gonna they're not gonna put anybody in a tough spot. And I think that they know as much as we say, well, this is a playoff preview. You know, the teams played twice down the stretch in the regular season last year. Both games were at Amelie Arena, and both were blowouts, one in each direction. And I don't think those games had any bearing whatsoever on what happened when the teams actually met in the playoffs. So from the Toronto perspective, which game is going to be the tougher, more intense game? It's probably tonight's game because you're facing a team that literally has everything on the line for this game tonight, talking about the Panthers. They could actually clinch if they win in regulation or overtime and the Islanders who are at Washington lose in regulation, the Panthers will clinch. And if they clinch, whether it's tonight or, or before the end of the regular season, what a turnaround for them as they played an, an incredibly high clip over the last, you know, six to seven weeks or whatever it's been. So I don't know. I mean, I think if you're Toronto, as much as you understand that the game Tuesday is going to be a playoff preview, quote unquote, and the Lightning are going to want to play better because they haven't played well at all defensively in the last three. In terms of the intensity level, I would think that tonight's game is going to have way more intensity than the game tomorrow. But I might be wrong about that. No, I I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. I think... And, like, do you play <sighs> Samsonov in both games? And if you're only going to play him in one, which game do you play him in? That I don't know. Yeah. Because there's there's really no value 
And when I say value, in terms of like moving up in the standings or moving below in the standings, when it comes to Toronto and Tampa Bay playing one another, and you know who's going to match up where, it it basically comes down to: Do you want to put your best lineup out there mm-hmm. to give yourself the best chance to win and to feel good about yourself? I mean, the Lightning could lose that game tomorrow night and play a good game and and come out thinking, okay, we like the process, yeah, and we did enough against Toronto to feel like, okay, you know what. That was basically our last preseason game uh, heading into the regular season. Obviously, the equivalent would be the last regular season game heading into the postseason. We feel pretty good about where we are. We're ready to go. You know, we, we've actually I've seen some questions, partner, about you know, what do you do with Vassy? I think he these plays last both. couple of games. You think he plays both? I think he plays both yeah. because he wants to be in game action yeah. heading into the playoffs. I think I that's mean, one reason why Elliot got these last two starts. That's fair. That's 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 a valid point. But I, mean, I, I might think... be wrong about that. Maybe Elliot. I think Vassy plays Thursday. I don't think there's any question. I've been really consistent about that. I don't think he's going to want to go from if he plays Tuesday against Toronto, and let's say the series the series won't start any earlier than Monday the seventeenth. I don't I... think Vassy wants to wait six days or potentially seven days between starts for game one. And if he played Thursday, if he played Thursday, how many he days gets off? that game. Yeah. I mean, right. But I mean, he has what? Three, four days yeah, off. Three to right? four. Yeah. So which is still exactly. a lot, you know, which is still a lot. For yeah. Sure. He's going to get, he's yeah. going to get a chance to, to get Honestly, ready for game one. I think Thursday comes down to not necessarily him being rusty or not. I think it just becomes a health thing. Do you just want to avoid anything cataclysmic Thursday night? potentially happening to your best player yeah i don't know and that would just be we're gonna hold you out because listen even and here's the other point partner i feel like even more so this year than in the previous three it is my opinion i always don't like saying that because of course it's my opinion we're doing a show This might not be the as strong a lightning team as we've seen the previous three years, and that you're gonna need Vassy to be even better than what we've seen. And so, because of that, I might even be a little bit more cautious in how I use him the next two games. Meaning, I probably go Tuesday, Vassy. I don't know. I I feel like. The way this season has gone for Tampa Bay, there's been a little bit more inconsistency. You might even say the goaltending has suffered because of that inconsistency. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put my money on Vasi being able to shore up some of those deficiencies come playoff time. And the way I ensure that, at least that he's he's ready to go game one, is that uh, if he gets through Tuesday, assuming he plays, I probably would hold him out for that reason. Because I think the team and the way it's gone this year out of the last three years, I think this team, they're a little bit more leaky than in previous years, and I think they're going to need Vassy even more. Well, I don't disagree with you, but then we kind of go back to the question we pondered last week, which is what is the best course of action for Vassy? Yeah, and, and that's... he might say, I want to be sure. in a game, not because he's like, I want to play every game, which players do say that, <laughs> but they might understand that it is in Vasilevsky's best interest rather than to sit to actually get into a game. So he's not, he's not not playing for basically a week, but those discussions have already taken place. I'm fairly certain for sure. And look, and Vasi at his age now than he was maybe three, four years ago when he probably wanted to play all 82 games. Maybe he, 
he can come to terms with that a little bit more if the team was like, we're going to rest you on Thursday than he would previously. Yeah. And mentally, he can get himself in a position where he says, okay, I understand it. I don't like it. I understand the bigger picture here. So, Greg, I do want to, and we can revisit this, particularly tomorrow when we have a better idea potentially of who is starting uh, for this game. And, and I don't think the Leafs are going to skate tomorrow based on the fact they play tonight, but we may get an indication of, of what the Leafs' goaltending situation is. I want to mention a couple things, actually three things, and one of them is really quick. The Leafs have signed Matthew Nyes because Minnesota – Wrapped up its season, obviously. The Frozen Four <laughs> took place over the weekend. What a finish, by the way, right? Quinnipiac, yeah. Quinnipiac, huh? Yeah, 10 seconds into overtime after Incredible. they scored a sixth attacker goal to tie it. Wow. I if that was a set play. Did you see the play? That they it did look like a set. By the way, it did look like a set play. Because yeah. If you see, it was if a you set see play. The two, the, okay, the, the players did. talked about they've practiced that play at least 100 times this year. Well, watch. Once the defenseman gets it, the I don't know if it was the centerman and the left winger, you could see them kind of cycle up top a little bit like one went in and then the other one followed and you could tell that left a little bit of a gap there some daylight and a great pass coming down the right side for the finish anyway a tough loss certainly for minnesota and for matthew nyes who is a hobie baker finalist but he's a former second round pick of the leafs they immediately signed him so he didn't have to go very far from tampa to sunrise and then back to tampa but his entry-level deal starts now like it, the first year is this year. So they plan to use him. They only have two games left in the regular season, but I think this would indicate that they plan to have him in the fold for the playoffs and maybe potentially use him in the playoffs. I mean, I'm speaking a little bit out of ignorance here. I don't know what the Leafs are looking to do, but they are very, very high on this guy. And if they feel he can help them in the playoffs, I don't think they're going to have any hesitation to use him. If they feel it's too much, for a guy just finishing his college career being kind of thrown into the mix here, then maybe they're a little bit more cautious. But we've seen examples of players finishing their college career and and jumping right into a playoff series. Chris Kreider did it in 2012. Another Frozen Four that took place in Tampa. He was on the winning side that year, Boston College. And Kale McCarr did it the year that he joined Colorado. Yeah. 2019. Sure. Came right into the playoffs. Yeah. So we'll see what what the Leafs are are planning with Matthew Nyes. That was a little bit of a longer first step (laughs) Uh, or first point. The second point is we we have not gotten official word, Greg, but Elliot Friedman did report he's hearing that the early kind of returns on the Tanner Janot injury, not as bad as feared. So that is vague and hopefully hopefully usually when he has that, he's got a pretty good pulse. Yeah, that's the thing. It came from Elliot. So that is really good news for the team and for Tanner Janot. Less bad might still mean that he's not able to to play in this upcoming playoff series against the Leafs. We don't really know. But based on, on how things looked and kind of the original sentiment about the injury, I think that that is a, so you a positive wonder- step. You or wonder, a positive development, I should and say. I, I'm completely speculating on that. You wonder, based off of if that reporting is true, and again, we've we've got to do a little stretching here, if it's something that's more of a sprain that doesn't require surgery. Mm-hmm. 
and it just those you ankle, stay off if it's of an it. ankle sprain though ankle sprains high Correct. ankle sprains can be really those can be long term but you're right no they doubt. don't require surgery yeah or if it's a leg or a knee and and that's I, I i don't know i don't know but maybe that's what you can take from that although we have seen some procedures that require surgery where you know you can bounce back in a couple of weeks four yeah. weeks but we'll see how that plays out here at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. So and then we kinda, the third Yeah, the third thing, and this is just a follow up to what we were talking about last week, where I was I was spitballing to some extent because I didn't know the rules and Ed Encina did the work for me <laughs> to, to spell all this out. So thank you, Ed. So as it relates to long term injury at the end of the regular season or near the end of the regular season, it's twenty four days. I knew it was longer than a week, but it's it's not quite a month. So if a player goes on long-term injury, that player must sit for a minimum of 24 days long-term, right? What happens if there are fewer than 24 days left in the regular season? The player cannot go on long-term injury. So how do you get cap relief? Well, you have this. So it's combining the two. It's combining the emergency recall with the cap relief. The way it works at this late stage of the regular season the player does not go on long-term injury. You can replace that player if you are short. Like, if you cannot field a full lineup, you are allowed to replace one injured player with a player from the minors making less than a million dollars, and it does not go against your cap. However, you must play short for one game. Which is so dumb. <laughs> I understand like, that. Yeah, we well, that's lot. to prevent it's to prevent shenanigans, I think. They have that stopgap in there. And at this yeah, point, Greg, given the fact that we saw Sorelli, and I'll use the forwards yeah. as an example here, we saw Maroon, Hagel, and Sorelli all play against Ottawa, and the Lightning only have two games left. So if you're playing short for one, then you would only have the recall available for the second game. I don't know. I mean, I think it's unlikely they were going to see a player recalled from Syracuse. Yeah. But again, well, let's wait and see. I mean, maybe they decide that Hagel played, I'm using him as an example, like he didn't play against the Islanders day to day. They decided he played against Ottawa, and then he would benefit from not playing. Where it's legit, like he's he's battling something. Sure. And maybe you reach the point where, okay, we're short. We're going to play short one game, and then we have the opportunity to call up a player for the game on Thursday. What are they hoping Detroit. to avoid shen- shenanigans-wise? So you, know, you, you would say, two. yeah, so you would say, we have five guys who are banged up, so we need to call up three players from the minors, sure. and we're going to get the cap relief when maybe those five players right. aren't actually injured. Yeah. So you would like, think, all right, though, well, if, if that's the case, fine, but you're going to play short a game before you do it. Which my counter to that would be, well, I'm taking potentially three regulars who are NHLers out of the lineup and replacing them with minor leaguers. Right, where's but the, you want Where is the advantage? The advantage is that these players are, are not playing, just what you said sure. about Vasilevsky. Sure, right. Where you're but like, I mean, we want to protect them down the stretch in the regular season. I mean, what did I see? And again, the NBA is completely different. It is. But, and this is a different situation. It was about the Dallas Mavericks. So the Mavericks were were on the verge of being eliminated. The NBA has instituted the last couple of years like a play-in. So in each conference, 7 through 10 have a play-in. 1 through 6 are automatically in the playoffs. 
So I think the Mavericks were like on the verge of getting into 10th. They were 11th. But if they lost their second to last game, they were eliminated. And the Mavericks sat like all of their top players. And I think their best player played one quarter and then sat out. Now, that was a little different. That was them saying, we don't want to get into the play-in and it had something to do with their draft. They would have lost their first-round draft pick if they made the playoffs, whatever the case. This is kind of the opposite of that. But it's still a team making roster decisions based on who is going to play relating to their standings position. I think what the NHL is saying is, all right, this team is going to make the playoffs. They can't move up. They can't go down. They don't want guys to get hurt. So they want to sit five players, and they're saying they're all banged up. Therefore, we're going to call up a bunch of guys from the minors to play in game 81. Yeah. And and, and what the league is saying is, well, your players may be hurt, but to ensure that it's legitimate, we're going to make you kind of swallow a sour pill first. You're going to have to play short. Makes no sense to me. Well, I just you explained should, why yeah, yeah, the yeah, sense no. of it. You may disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, that makes no <laughs> sense. That makes no sense if you're a team and it's within the confines. To me, the biggest thing would be the salary cap. You know, for yeah. Well, that's be, why that's why correct. they're giving an exception, sure, an exemption to the cap sure. under the situation because you cannot put a player in on that second injury. Game. If there are less than 24 Understood. days left in the regular season. You should be able to do whatever you want to do as a team when it comes to your players. League's not going to protect you. <laughs> I got to tell you that right now, we've seen enough of it. These rules that are in place, I'm not going to get on my soapbox right now. For sure, that is not how this works. The league is looking out for every team, but every team knows themselves better than Gary Bettman and w the rules they try to put in place. So if you feel like there are five players who are struggling and who are legitimately banged up, you do what you need to do to rest them. And the league is saying that's fine. But, but we're going to penalize you. Well, yes. Potentially. Because if they didn't have that rule in place, how would you feel, Greg, if a team, wink, wink, nod, nod, said, yeah, these five guys aren't going to be able to play? I, th I think most you would see a lot of that happen towards the end of the season. Well, that's the point. That's why yeah. they have Which this is fine. In place. Which is fine. But you're, you're, it's not going to be a perfect system. It's not. But it's going to happen towards the end. And quite honestly, I think it's a strategy that, that works. Mm -hmm. That works. And, you know, obviously it's not going to change. Maybe it does. You know, some of the things we talked about, you know, like maybe expanding – the rosters at the end of the year where you actually have legitimate uh, players that can come in and you feel like you're not tanking. Maybe you, you cut it off at a, at a certain number. Uh, maybe there are things you can do from that standpoint, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's, we've had these, these conversations about it. And I think it, it only happens at the end of the year when a team is really trying is to true. manage when they, when they're trying to manage something. And and my expectation would be the lightning are not going to be in that situation. They I think won't. they're going to be able to feel the full lineup. For, for games 81 and 82, and hopefully Tanner Janot is going to be able to come hopefully. back for this playoff series. The other part, too, to, that, that teams would have to consider is what is the situation with your AHL team? Now, I understand the AHL team is there to serve at the pleasure of the NHL team. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. If the NHL team needs a player, they're pulling a player from the American Hockey League team. 
At the same time, NHL teams like to have their minor league teams get into the playoffs and hopefully go deep in the playoffs because that is great experience for their prospects. So how much are you potentially damaging your minor league team's playoff hopes or prospects if you are pulling guys up in the situation that you spelled out where you basically don't have any guardrails <laughs> and you can be like, all right, we're calling up. These guys are legit right on the bubble of playing in the NHL. We're calling up the best four players from the minor league team because we want to protect our four NHL guys. Let's say how much will that affect the minor league team if they are in the battle of their lives to make the playoffs or in the case of Syracuse, the Syracuse, as I said, at last check, they were in second place They've made the playoffs. Maybe you pull up a bunch of guys and they drop to fourth and they have a tougher matchup and they don't get home ice in that two out of three. You know what I'm saying? So maybe you wouldn't care if you were GM, but some GMs might care and it might give them pause to to pull up guys from the minor league team. Having worked in the minors for enough time, I can tell you, the NHL team will put its own interests ahead of the AHL team, but if there's no benefit to the NHL team, they want the AHL team to do as well as possible. Of course. They want their of AHL course. team to win the Calder Cup. Yeah. Because that will help their organization. You don't think the Lightning benefited from the Norfolk Admirals winning the Calder Cup in 2012? I think they did. For some of those players, including John Cooper's head coach, who ended up coming up and helping the Lightning. I think being in that type of environment can only better you. There's no doubt about it, for sure. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. So those are the three things I wanted to get to. The Nyes edition for Toronto, the Janot, I wouldn't even call it injury news, but reports, I guess. And then thank you, Ed, for for giving the official rules on long-term injury and potential cap relief at this late date in the regular season. At but given the rating. fact that those guys came black, came back and played on Saturday, yes. my, my hunch is that it's kind of a moot point for the Lightning this year. Let's get to a couple of questions here on the show. Al says, the only thing left to accomplish this season is point hitting 50 goals. Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Point needs to be selfish and start shooting the puck every chance he gets, that actually could be said about several other players also. <laughs> so one thing that has happened to the Lightning in the last three games, and Point did score on Saturday, but it was his only goal on the road trip. In five-on-five five action, the Lightning did not have the puck a lot. So you were right, Al, but it's hard to shoot if you don't have the puck. The other thing that has happened is... Point has had no room to speak of. Very occasionally, he's gotten loose. And he had a couple scoring chances, actually, against the Islanders. And Sorokin made some good saves on him. But other teams are zeroing in on him because they know he is at 48 and now 49. Don't think that they aren't aware of that. And on the power play, when the Lightning been on the power play, Point in the bumper spot, he gets the puck and there's one, two, and sometimes three guys closing on him immediately. So right there, trying to force a shot is not really what you should be doing. You need to you need to sure. get the puck to somebody open. I think the Lightning are going to try and find a way to get point the puck in a position where he can get number 50. 
And if it's an empty netter, he won't care. Right. I don't think he's, I can look this up, I don't think he's had an empty netter this year. He's not usually one of the guys out there when the other team has pulled the goalie. Which is a little unusual, right? Because a little he's... unusual. I can look that up while we kind of move on to the next question. But do I, do Point I has they're... earned his 49 goals this oh, year. For that's sure. my, and if he that's gets my 50, point. 50 against Toronto in a win would be great. And I think a lot of people would be excited about that. I think yes. he's been he's been their mo- most consistent forward. I think we've talked about that. Uh, Hegel, you can make a case probably in that number two range. And, you know, they have some other guys who I think have put together a pretty consistent season. Would you would you agree Alex Kalorn, you know, kind of taking the big picture view, is, has been pretty consistent this year, partner? I mean, he has, yeah. You take a look at his goal total and... Career just, high now? Yeah. In goals? I didn't... It kind of stands out, doesn't it? That guy really doesn't miss a ton of games. He's basically in the lineup every night. That is true. You know? I mean, he's, you know, plays pretty big minutes for the team. He's does a lot of different things. He's been, he's going to be one of those guys you look back on and say, yeah, uh, you know, him, that Palat, Tyler Johnson. When you talk about supporting roles, those are the players who you look at to say, that's who I'd like my secondary scoring to be. Because you can get secondary scoring from guys who can give you 20, 25 goals a year. That's mm-hmm. like, that's high level. It's kind of what Brandon Hagel's doing for him. Even though Brandon Hagel, you would say, look, he's in a top six role. He's at 29, by the way. Yeah. I mean, nice he, to see him get to 30. Wouldn't that be nice if he hit 30, point hit 50? Who else is closing in on a uh, a nice round number? What's Kalorn have? 24, 25? I feel like he's in that yeah. in that mode. But he's been he's been good. I know he's taken some criticism over the years. Who hasn't? I think when you're in the league that long, but he's been a very productive guy that does a lot of different things. And you know, it is that is going to be one of the interesting storylines partner when we head into the the first round, depending on the health, that'll probably be a big one too who's available. But just what are the line combinations going to look like? Has John Cooper settled on for sure his top 6? Do do we look at Nick Paul and what's happened to him? recently or really over the last 30 games and are we concerned a bit about where he is going to fit in when it comes to where this team will be offensively i think eric asked me the question about the team and i said you know i'm not really worried about the team i've made that pretty clear over the last three or four years when it comes to tampa bay and the playoffs and, and performing i said what i what i am interested in more so than the team and how they'll be able to turn it on potentially come playoff time compared to where they are in the regular season. I am interested, partner, to see individual performances. I want to see if Nick Paul can get a goal here in the last two games to feel good about himself going into the playoffs. I'm actually a little more concerned about individual players than I am collectively about the team showing up for that first series against Toronto. And I understand in many ways that will go hand in hand. Right. We had this conversation with Vlad Nemesikov before he was traded that, you know, for a guy who was struggling, some players would look at the playoffs as a second season and mentally just feel the weight lifted off their shoulders to say, okay, I didn't have the greatest regular season, but in the postseason, I have a chance to redeem myself. I, I think that potentially could be true. And I tell you what, for the Lightning, they're going to hope that's true. Uh, especially for a guy in Nick Paul specifically because he is somebody I don't think anybody anticipated this type of drought from a guy who was so good 
mm-hmm. for a good portion of his time coming over in the trade. Yeah, I think it's one goal in 35 games. I mean, Dave, that's that's astounding. About. And how many goals does he have on yeah. the year? 17? 17. I mean, it's just it's incredible. By the way, I, I misspoke when I said Kalorn had a career high in goals. He had tied a career high in goals, so we thought. Did you see they changed the goal yeah. from Saturday? Crazy. When did that happen? Like the last time I checked, and I confess, I didn't really look at much hockey stuff yesterday. It was a holiday, and I took the day off from even thinking about hockey. And we're doing the show today, and I'm like, wait a minute, why does? Because I looked up the empty net goals. Point does not have a single empty net yeah. goal this year. So his 49 that's, goals that's have about all right. come against goaltenders <laughs> in the net. That's now, sometimes it's a top end yeah. where the goaltender has no chance to make a save, like the one in Ottawa on right. the great pass from Hedman, but be that as in May. So I'm like, wait a minute. Kalorn had 26 goals. That ties a career high for him. No, he's at 25. I'm like, they didn't. Oh, yes, they did. Steven Stamkos now has the first goal on that game, which we had said. Yeah, it looked on the like air. It, right? I mean, yeah, maybe from the angle, it looked like it changed the players know. directions. Well, that's it. That's it. The players do. Kalorn reacted like, hey, Stammer, nice shot. So why doesn't why don't the people who are doing that job not look at that right away and say, okay, guys, uh, who's leading the goal charge? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, like, Greg. Come on. And weren't you asking just the other day, like, how long does it take for a yes. goal to get changed? And I'm like, yes. usually within a day. And I, I'm assuming this got changed <laughs> yesterday, but I'm looking at the official score sheet now. And so Stamkos has 34 goals, not 33. Kalorn has 25 goals, not 26. Look, he came close. I mean, the stick was in the vicinity of the puck, but the players know if they touch the puck. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know how that happens. I don't, with all the technology involved. And then you have the eyeballs. I told you, I think since COVID, we have seen a... <sighs> We have seen a glitch in how stats are recorded and jotted down. There are inaccuracies, it feels like, not only from game to game, but from period Mm -hmm. to period. That I can't remember, Dave, being that significant up until everything shut down. You know what is especially mystifying about all this is what Steve told us about their almost like strict dedication to getting the shot total correct to the point that like they have an independent auditor checking the shots in between periods to make sure that the total was correct so these bets are paid out properly which look I understand that but aren't there bets on like will Steven Stamko score a goal tonight like what about that did somebody who bet Steven Stamkos is going to score on Saturday. The game ends. Steven Stamkos has not scored, according to the official score sheet. A day later, they change it. When they change the shots, I mean, they don't change them quickly enough for my liking, but they're still getting changed in-game, right? And the other thing is, like, if you're going to miss a tip, I am I am more sympathetic to missing a tip where you don't think it was tipped and the player actually tipped it, as opposed to saying that player tipped it when he didn't. 
when the player is reacting like dum-de-dum, you know, like Cohen was happy, but there's a difference between a player standing in front who touches a puck and, and one who doesn't. Now, let's say they credit it to Stamkos and Kalorn touched it. And it was hard to tell. And they credit it to Stamkos and they're looking, they're looking. Yeah. Okay, he did touch it. Hard to tell, but he touched it. We're changing it. Okay. That one I can kind of understand might take a little bit of time, but not a full day. But they went the other way. They were like, Kalorn touched it. Changed immediately. Like, I think they even announced it to Kalorn and they didn't change it at all. It's not like they changed the stamp goes and then went back. They were like, this is Kalorn's goal. After the game, I got the game sheet right in front of me that they distributed post-game. This goal was scored two minutes and 51 seconds into the game. So basically, they had the whole game to get this thing corrected. They didn't. And then at some point, somebody sent up a red flag and was like, yeah, this is actually Stamkos' goal. Let's get it changed. And it's like, how does that happen? I don't understand how it happens happens. based on what Steve told us about what is at stake for some of these stats. Dollars dollars are changing hands. I would think that they would have been on this sooner. Yeah. Look, big picture, what does it mean? It It, it it doesn't mean that much. Yeah, it doesn't mean that much. annoying. Because I just said on the air, Kalorn hit a career-high in goals. It was tied, but I knew he had scored his 26th. Yeah. And I'm going off of the information that we had when the game ended. And then when I – only because I was looking for points empty net goal total, I saw that Kalorn was at 25. I'm like, wait a minute here. What happened? Well, and that's one of those things, too, where I've got – I'm putting myself in your shoes right now. When you're announcing something – and you're kind of like, wait a minute, I, I'm pretty sure that's not his goal. But then they're officially on the announcement saying it's somebody else. That that's a tough that's a tough situation to be in because you want to get the call right. And when yeah, I say and call, I'm you myself want myself too. I tell yeah. you what, Phil's eyes. He's 81, right? Phil never misses. He always sees whether he does hit it, doesn't not. he? Yeah, well, he goes. I think incredible. that was tipped. Yeah, David, I think that was tipped. And we know, like, he'll even yeah. say his eyes sometimes give him a little trouble in terms of, like, comfort. They get irritated, whatever. Sure. Yeah. He sees whether the puck changes directions. He does. Yeah. That's just being a goal scorer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's like a sixth idea. sense for him. It is. It really is. Anyway, we were talking about point. Yeah. At four, There's no question he is at 49. He was not jobbed of a goal at any point. No. So hopefully he gets to 50, but... Zero of his 49 goals have come into an empty net. But if the Lightning are up in one of these games and the other team pulls the goalie and points still at 49, that is a bet I will make. Yeah. That point's going to be out there to try and get to 50. Hopefully he gets 50 in the first period of tomorrow's game and and there's yeah. no drama down the stretch. But. I think there's a good chance he has himself a game. I, I do. I, I that We can open it up to our, our audience today here. I, I think they have a good game, and that's going to go from the first forward to the, the last forward. I, I think they're going to be ready to go for a couple of different reasons we gave on this show, but I, I think they'll be ready, and I could see Point having himself a game at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. What else did we want to hit? I have some questions here that we can go to as yeah, well. Yeah, we can look at the playoff races too. 
Which yeah, are, that's good. It's a great final week for the NHL because both races are still up in the air for wild card positioning yeah. and and uh, qualification. Don says, guys, do you think they've made a decision internally on the lineup for game one of the playoffs? And he goes 11-7, 12 and 6. Well, Internally, they probably, may have. They may have. Yeah, we just they don't know have. what it is. Yeah, they may have. Let's put it this way. I, I think they've seen enough, and they they I, I would anticipate, partner, that they're going to give him the remaining two games, Darren Radish, to see what, you know, for sure what they have. But I my guess is they've they've made a decision on the back end and what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, we can guess on what that may be. You know, what, what's the in, more interesting question? Do you think which forward would sit, or which defenseman would be added? Or uh, let me rephrase that: which which forward would sit, or the Lightning just in general going um, twelve and six? Like, do you think that would be more of a surprise? Let's put it that way. I think I'd be a little surprised if they go 11 and 7 just cuz they haven't done it that much this year. So why would you change in the playoffs? You would change in the playoffs based on the opponent and and what you're looking to do in terms of matching up. But they've done it, they just haven't done it a lot. And you have two defensemen. Look, Radish and Perbix are not 20. You know, they're they're older guys cuz Perbix played 4 years of college and Radish has been in the pro game for a number of years. But still, like they have not been in a situation of eleven and seven that much where potentially you're going out there with a different partner every other shift. So I think all of those things you have to take into consideration. If the question is which forward comes out if they go eleven and seven, assuming Janot is still injured, I think it's clearly Acemont, but Acemont played well against Ottawa. And maybe that furthers the case for a twelve and six lineup. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think I I would be surprised if Acemont starts the postseason in the lineup. But that's that's just me giving you a, a where I think things would stand. That's mm-hmm. just that's just where I am right now with that. I, I would be a little bit surprised. But look, John Cooper, his greatest strength is understanding his team, and uh, I respect that. And so I think that's probably something we're all going to be looking at moving forward. Uh, This question comes from, let's see here, Bill. He said, guys, do you think there's any defensemen they'd like to rest if they can these last two games? There had been some talk maybe Hedman would sit. I wouldn't be surprised if, if... if they can, he would be the defenseman that could get yeah. a night off. Maybe that because they have game. the extras. Yeah, I think that probably makes more sense. I think Hayden you know, Fleury has has showed well when he has come in. He has. He's been very active at getting to scoring areas. Yeah, which I know they're more concerned about. Sure, keeping the puck out of the net, particularly you know when they're putting a defenseman in. But he has not been shy about getting to scoring areas. He's been a little bit snake bitten, and opposing goalies have made saves on him. Happened again against the Islanders with Sorokin. Yeah. He um, he can skate. And I, that always gives you an opportunity to get some of those moments in a game. 
and he does. He generates mm-hmm. a chance or two just by being in the right place at the right time. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, if, if they could give Hetty a rest maybe in that last game, I think they would. Uh, do you want to get into what we're going to see maybe tonight around the league? Anything that's going to stick out? I mean, we kind of touched on Toronto a little bit in Florida. Yeah. I, I think Florida is making a push. And well, look, so are the field. Islanders and, and Penguins. I mean, yeah. they have they have forced every team has forced the other two teams to keep winning. And the other night was interesting, or the other day with with all thirty two teams in action. Pittsburgh played in the afternoon, won, so that shifted the pressure to the Panthers and Islanders. The Panthers game started at seven. The Islanders started at seven thirty. So the the Islanders were aware of what was happening with the Panthers game. You know, they weren't going on at exactly the same time. There was an overlap there of, of half an hour. And the Panthers scored with a minute to go to break a 2-2 tie. I mean, they were a minute away from at least getting a point, but two points for the Panthers. It's so close. Two points for the Panthers is a big difference over one point. I mean, they'll take the one, but it is going to come right down to the wire. The Islanders play tonight and Wednesday. And they are going to kind of be left waiting. Now, if they win their last two, they're in. Pittsburgh won't be able to catch the Islanders. But if they stumble and they're out Washington tonight, home Montreal Wednesday, if they drop even a point, they're potentially in jeopardy of of not making it. Although, as I say that, I think they have the tiebreaker against the Penguins. So they, I think they would have to drop two points Probably in order in order to get passed by the Penguins, but still that could happen. I mean, Washington almost took out the Panthers. I mean, it was a yeah, tied game, right? Yeah, right. In the third period, and the Penguins are home Chicago. They're Tuesday, Thursday, so they are going to be sitting and watching tonight. Two non-playoff teams, too. You know, two non. They're yeah, they're take. home Chicago yeah. at Columbus right. Tuesday, Thursday, and the Panthers are. Home Toronto tonight, and then they have two days. So they play Monday, Thursday, and they're home Carolina Thursday. Carolina might have something at stake for that game yep. because that, that Metro race is still up in the air. It might be determined by the time Thursday rolls around. So the other part that I hadn't realized until we just spoke right now, there's, there's not one date when all three teams are in action. Islanders are Monday, Wednesday. Panthers are Monday, Thursday, and the Penguins are Tuesday, Thursday. Right. That's kind of interesting too. It's like who would you rather be in those instances? Would, would you, rather you rather take have care of business? the game left? Yeah, I yeah. think I'd rather want to. I if if I knew that I controlled my own destiny, I'd want to get those games out of the way. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good because I think Florida is playing as well as they have maybe all year. Yeah. The question with them is. Will their goaltending allow them to cross the finish line? Well, because Alex Lyon is, you know, on a, what, a six-game winning streak, right? Well, that's now. what I mean. I mean, he's playing really well, but he's still Alex Lyon. And that's not a knock on him, but he's basically been a cup of coffee guy here and there in the National Hockey League. And is, is he just experiencing a really good hot streak? And does it re- remain the last two games to get them in? Or is he going to have... As I like to say, a, a Louis Domingue showing <laughs> in the playoffs, right. where you know you're playing well, and then all of a sudden you, you can't stop, you know, a 65 foot shot. 
Well, he was in net for the first game of this winning streak, which happened in Toronto. It was a huge turnaround for the Panthers because they were down by a goal. They scored on the power play with the goalie pulled with a minute to go, a little under a minute, I think. And then they won it overtime. And that got them rolling. Now, look, the quality of the opposition since they saw Toronto, let's be honest here, like they've seen non-playoff teams every step of the way, but that's no guarantee. I mean, we've seen other teams lose to non-playoff teams, so they have certainly taken care of business, but their last two games are against playoff teams, whether they have a lot at stake or not. Talking about Toronto and Carolina. And Carolina and the, may have something to play for, too. That, we'll exactly. This, yeah, that you know. race is separated by a point. Carolina is up a point with a game in hand. But as it stands right now, they would lose the tiebreaker. That is correct. To the Devils. And the Rangers still have a very, very slim chance of getting into even first. But that probably isn't going to happen. And potentially second. But they would lose the tiebreaker to the Devils. So the Devils have the tiebreaker against either team in case... The Rangers catch them or they catch Carolina. And then in the West, Winnipeg got a big, big win over Nashville at home, and they dominated the game. It, lo- it looked like they just they had a huge shot attempt advantage, and they won the game in regulation, which they really needed. So they're three points up on Nashville. Both teams have three games left. Winnipeg is one point up on Calgary, but Calgary only has two games left, and Calgary loses the tiebreaker. So the Jets are kind of controlling their own destiny here, and Nashville and Calgary play each other. Is it tonight? I think it might be tonight. So one of those teams is not getting two points. That's good news for Winnipeg. Winnipeg is hosting San Jose. So you would say that is a scheduling advantage for the Jets, and Nashville is at Calgary. So I would say that that one has a little less intrigue than the one in the East. It looks like the Jets have the inside track based on their victory the other night. Kind of interesting, like Colorado has just gotten so hot. They won 10 in a row on the road. They're up to 104 points. They're within a stone's throw of Vegas for first overall in the conference. But very well, wild card one could get Colorado. And wild card two would get Vegas, which Vegas is at a good year. But which team would you rather see in the first round? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a valid question. It's yeah. a valid question. You know, I, I think uh, health will play a role too a little bit here, and in, in how some of these teams finish and and what they look like in the first round, like we discussed before, and who gets hot at the right time. If you believe in that, does that carry over into that first round too? But it's been exciting. I think this is exactly. Again, if you're a huge fan of of parity, this is this is the mm-hmm. league and at uh, operating at a pretty high level. By the way, partner, before we sign off, congrats to Pierre Edouard Belmar, correct? Nominated as yeah. the uh, Bill Masterson uh, Player Best Exemplifies Perseverance, Sportsmanship, and Dedication to Hockey. Each team puts yeah. forth a nominee, so he is the Lightning. He's the guy. nominee. Good for him. The writers, there's a group of writers in each market. Yes that nominate that do it one player he's been through a lot this year yeah he has good point became the all-time leader in nhl games played for a french born -born. can you say that french born i think so i think so a native of france and he lost his mom yeah this year too good guy yeah 
Partner, we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll have a game to talk about. Maybe we'll have a guest. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to Nick Alberga. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. He's always, he he's always looking to come on. He definitely yeah. have all the scoops on Toronto. He would. So maybe that's the route we go. Well, nice we'll play in the playoffs. Yeah. Who's going to be the goaltender? What's the status with Matt Murray? Because I think it's going to be quiet at the rink tomorrow for the Toronto Probably. side. Because they play tonight. We'll do it tomorrow, noon to one. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to everybody who listened. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.